coming up. Readings beyond the raffle and Theoryland approved conjecture. Deep dive into the spells and scrolls of nerd culture. Absorb stormlight. Hone sympathy. Harness Sayadar and Sayadeen. This is Phantology. You may have heard of us. All right, what's up, Coalition members? This is Steven from Phantology with another Rhythm of War review, pre-release chapter. Chapter 17 came out earlier today. If you like Phantology, you can find our full catalog online at www.phantologybooks.com. And if you want to support the channel, you can find us at patreon.com slash phantology underscore books. So Rhythm of War is coming out in three weeks from today, I believe. On that Tuesday, so we only have a couple more weeks of pre-release chapters. Dawn Chart is coming out soon. Sanderson posted and sent out an email to Kickstarter backers saying that the book was done and just needs to go through the last rounds of edits and stuff, and then it will be out to us in ebook form pretty soon. He said uh, beginning of next week. So excited for that! We'll have to do. Phantology will definitely cover that. We'll read that uh, as quickly as we can and get a review out. So chapter 17, again from Navani's perspective, picking up from after chapter 16, I liked this one better. And we didn't get a whole lot of actually like Navani's inner dialogue. It was more of just like her observing what was going on in the room. I thought it worked a lot in this chapter. She finally talks about the fused weapons that we teased at the beginning of chapter 16. So in this case, she hints at some kind of special metal that can withstand shard blades and soul casting and radiant powers, disrupts radiant powers. Apparently it's very light and it's rare and it's probably aluminum. I would assume it just makes sense. But on the other hand, I mean, I could see it being something else. I mean, Sanders could always introduce something else for what we know now. I think the most obvious thing is to assume that it is in fact aluminum. So as chapter 17 starts, the map has been summoned, as we saw in Oathbringer, and at the end of chapter 16, Dalinar and Shallan's special move together, and Navani talks about the possibility of Dalinar being able to do other combo moves with other Radiants, but hasn't been able to figure out any of those things yet. I don't know if you guys ever played the old 90s game Chrono Triggers, kind of along the, it's also by Square Enix, along the lines of Final Fantasy, and you could do all these cool uh, combo moves with your different people and there's like a robot and a fighter and a mage, etc. And they call the different moves together. So that's kind of the depiction that I get here with Dalinar for some reason. I mean, I know there's other video games where you can do combo moves, but this is cool. And I'm looking forward to seeing what the other combo moves are. Cause obviously they'll be unique and more powerful than the regular things that can be done. Now this map has gotten cooler than the last time we saw it because now we can pinch and zoom, and we can also see glyphs for troop counts. And basically, it's like everything that we wish we could do on Google Maps, all nicely integrated in here. So this is very cool. And it also freaks out the mink really bad. It's funny to see his reaction because this is the reaction of someone who hasn't ever really seen the Stormlight magic. 
as the reader, we've seen this for books now. And we're like, oh, yeah, you know, they're just using Stormlight again. But this is a regular guy. I mean, he's a general, but he hasn't really seen this in action yet. And so he's like, what the heck is going on? And it's kind of funny to think that, you know, the majority of the world still doesn't really understand exactly what's going on with the Radiance. Yasna comes in and we finally get to see her. She's been mentioned a few times. She's not been on camera yet in the book. Plus, Wit slash Hoyd is there. And Wit has kind of changed his appearance a bit and his attitude. He's no longer the mocking Wit of Elokar's reign, but he is more of an advisor role to Yasna. And so once these guys come in, we get an update to the mink and to all of us. And this is a really good way to do an info dump. There's a lot of books where you have the info that's coming in and it's like, oh my gosh, this is so, this is so much. And it's hard to track as the reader. This is a fantastic way to do it because the mink is someone who needs to get this information. He's now a part of the picture here. He's a unique and kind of fun character. And I think I'm going to like him, I think going forward. And in order to fill him in, we also have to fill in the reader. And as the year has passed, there's been a lot of info that needs to be passed on. So we get an update on the current status of the Risk game that is being played throughout Roshar. So there are two fronts to the battle right now. One is in Makabak, which is mostly being fought around the nation of Emil. I probably mispronounced that. We haven't really seen too much of this area. I mean, a lot of the world, we've really just kind of like seen different glimpses from different interludes but we haven't actually seen them on camera nearly as much so this area which eventually they will decide is the area that they probably are going to pursue actually fighting in it's at a standstill right now there's been a lot of fighting here and interesting because ishar the herald right the bondsmith herald the guy that came up with the oath pact originally He's now under the name of Tezim. He is a god priest leading a group here. And he's nearby. He hasn't really engaged in the singers. And they were kind of hoping, the coalition was hoping that he would attack them from behind. He hasn't really done that yet. He kind of reminds me of like a super upgraded Masima from Wheel of Time. Because Ishar is actually a herald and is immortal and has magic. So... I'm looking forward to seeing him. Obviously, we're getting more heralds on camera here, as we'll see a little bit later in the chapter. Earlier, well, an Oathbringer, he actually demanded Urethiru back from the coalition and went on a bit of a rant after turning down the request to join them there. So I think he could be a fun, different look at the heralds and important for the actual, the eventual reforging of the Oath Pact, which we think is going to happen, especially after this chapter. So we'll get to that in just a second. So the other front, well, before we get to the other front, so there is a naval battle that's been won by Fen and the Thalens, and the Singers have retreated. They've retreated to the other part of the continent. So this has all happened on the, you know, the year prior, and I guess Sanderson didn't want to write this naval fighting. Um, we'll probably see this eventually. But this is good to an extent, like we're, we're winning and they've, they're retreating and, um, and whatnot. So, I mean, there's some good news, some bad news. The bad news is the second front of the, of the battle is still happening between Yakoved and Althkar. And 
that's not going super well. There's been a lot of skirmishes, but we've decided we need a big offensive here as the fused continue to get stronger. And Dalinar really wants to push for this, but he is told really quickly by the mink, and that's kind of what the mink is doing here, uh, is giving him an outside perspective. Nice to not have an echo chamber, so good move on Dalinar's part. But eventually they decide that they need to kind of give up the fight for Alethkar. I mean, at least it feels like it's going in that direction. Dalinar still wants to hold on to it because he's kind of got a bad feeling about everything. But they think, you know, the fuse are getting stronger and stronger and Alethkar is not getting any easier to fight. So we need to push forward right away. They get the outside perspective of the mink because they promise to help him with Herdaz after he helps them with Alethkar. And then the mink has this nice burn on Dalinar where he says, well, I'm looking over your troop positions here and please explain what's going on. And Dalinar does. And the mink says, well, does that really work for the others in your coalition? Because it obviously doesn't really make sense. Can you please tell me what's actually happening? And so Dalinar gets a little flustered and the mink comes back and says, you know, why don't you actually tell me? And he says, well, it's really because we don't trust Teravangian, which is a huge relief because Obviously, we don't want to trust Teravangian, and I was thinking that maybe he had fooled Dalinar, especially in the in the previous chapter when they were walking together. And so we know that he's against them, but it's maybe good that Teravangian isn't totally clued into it. We'll see what happens there. We know that the Skybreakers are totally against our side, and the Dustbringers, which apparently have expanded quite a lot, are also super sketch. So there's some pretty strong parts of just humanity and heralds that are against us. And that's interesting because it's not just like man versus nature where it's us fighting against the evil monsters. It's us fighting against all sorts of different factions. And who's to say that the Alethi are even the ones that are really right here, right? Because they are the Voidbringers. So lots of interesting conflicts, which is going to make for an exciting series towards the end. So the Mink says we should consolidate and go for Makabak where the enemy is pinned down. Nice risk move. You know, you want to secure that area, get your extra reinforcements. Every turn, I think Dalinar kind of knows that he's right, but he feels really helpless versus Odium, and it doesn't seem like, you know, this is maybe going to go as well as even the Mink thinks. So we'll see what happens in the risk game. Elsewhere, apparently Yasna and Wit are an item. Like, this happened off screen again, but it's not real explicit. Navani just says, like, she's heard some rumors. And we don't know. This would be an interesting pairing. And I'm really not, I, if this were the case, I wouldn't be happy with this because I hate that yet another romance has been developed off screen. Like, Sanderson, please show us the romance. Like, does he not have confidence in his ability to write romance? Some would say maybe his romances aren't always the best. So hopefully that hasn't got to him because I would like to see some of this stuff. What is Hoyd up to here? Like, he has this real personal stake in the fight with Odium. I think you could read behind the scenes with some of the more uh, realm, at, realm attic theory and Cosmere connections and things to get a better glimpse at what he's doing. I don't know if I have a great answer for you in this review, but I'm excited to see it. And one thing with Wit that was frustrating was he comes out and talks with everyone and kind of says some nebulous things about Odium. And I think it's frustrating that they don't press Wit for more details. Like Dalinar's sitting there 
Wits says, oh, I know Odium, by the way, and I don't think he's going to give up. Soon and Dalinar just kind of looks at him and says like, okay, you're weird. So uh, yeah, moving on. Like, why not say, oh, how do you know that? Like, please explain a little bit more. And it says something about how, no, if you ask Wit a question, he's just going to make fun of you. Whatever. He's, he's bringing up Odium. Let's ask him. Let's get some actual communication. This is frustrating. I don't like it when there is miscommunication just for the sake of miscommunication. And I didn't love how this was handled. I think you either don't have wit giving out this information or you get a little bit more explanation or there's a reason why. Like there's a reason why Kaladin didn't ask for more details after the whole fight that he had with, with the awakening. Like Kaladin was so into his depression that he didn't even think to ask Zyle for opinions. But uh, here, like, there's no reason why Dalinar shouldn't have asked him for more details. Yasna apparently wants to free the slaves at this opportune time. This is obviously setting up as something else later going on, and this sounds pretty cool. It's nice to see that Yasna is really embracing her role. She's not just being a, a token queen here. And Dalinar is like, oh, man, I didn't really think that you were going to cause me trouble as well. And Yasna says, well, you know, you didn't really want someone who was just up to be pushed around. It's nice to see that she's done her research and this is an opportune time for her to free the slaves. And so I'm, I'm all for it. Let's free the slaves here. Let's go full Daenerys Targaryen here, Yasna. Excellent. Arden starts slaves too. So this could affect the church's power a little bit. And that'll be interesting. A little bit more of a religious, political battle in the last episode or one of the previous episodes i asked for for more of a game of thrones song of ice and fire-esque like political conflict and so maybe we'll get some more of this more of these types of maneuverings after this we get our heralds coming in so ash and talm come in and then we get some good thoughts on navani about how this affects the general faith and religion like you're actually seeing your gods come in in person and one of them super snotty and unstable, and the other one talks to himself and is totally unstable. So yeah, this is going to cause pretty much anyone to have a super big crisis of faith. And obviously, Yasna is already a heretic. Dalinar, Navani thinks is not she's not sure what exactly he believes in herself. She's kind of questioning. You know, these are the guys I've always burned my prayers to, and here they are being obnoxious or not even you can't even talk to them. So. Um, that, that's a bit of a problem and an interesting and and an interesting angle. They have some questions about the oath pact, which is now broken because Yezrin was killed. Um, well, I mean, it was broken previously. The whole backstory with uh, Talon holding it and everything at the end, and then this is where we get into the long-standing theory that I've had that Phantology embraces and guarantees will happen, which is that the oath pact will be reformed at the end of the fifth book. Dalinar will obviously have a part in that. This is already hinting at that. Obviously, the, apparently the Shin know some stuff that is going to be important for us. They held the shard, the honor blades for centuries. So now we've got to move towards Shinovar. And that's one of the reasons why they think, okay, this Maccabac attack. Yeah, see what I did there. This attack on uh, this other front, not Althkar, might be a thing to do so we can get closer to Shinovar. And I think Sanderson's already said the fifth book is going to be Zeth's flashbacks as he goes back to Shinovar. And maybe this is where the Oath Pact will be reformed up some kind of like secret temple in Shinovar or something like that. 
and that okay and that's why Imol is important and that's pretty much how the chapter ends so i thought this chapter did a lot for set up for books four and five honestly if the oath pact is just reformed and that's it i'm going to be disappointed because there's no reason at the beginning of book four i should be able to predict what's happening at the end of the fifth book of a sanderson series i really expect him to turn the tables on us like he did at the end of mistborn so i hope that i'm not right but it does seem like we're setting up for this in some way i'm sure it won't be as straightforward as we're thinking there's always misdirection there's always another secret right thanks kelsier and i thought that after reading this it really justified the start of the book with the action and everything with the fourth bridge and this uh, this 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 fight in Hearthstone where we were getting everyone out of there. I thought that was a really good setup because now that we're kind of not bogged down, but we're more into the setup for the rest of the book and the rest of the series, it was nice to have that at the beginning. So it, it drew us in and I understand the way that Sanderson chose to structure with this big climax type of stuff happening at the beginning of the book. So that is a wrap for chapter 17. Thanks for listening. I will be back at it again with another pre-release chapter next Tuesday night. And then only, what, one more? Two more? I think just one more after that. And then we'll have the whole book. I think Phantology is going to try to cover it section by section. So we're going to chunk it up, let ourselves enjoy it a little bit more, get out reviews that are a little more substantive. So don't try to cover 1,200 pages in one review because that is insane and would make for probably a pretty terrible review that has nothing important actually in it by the time we talk through enough of the high-level stuff. If you like Phantology, again, check us out at www.phantologybooks.com and support us at patreon.com slash phantologybooks. Thanks, everyone. See you next time.